I want to um, thank you guys for allowing me to come again. It's always a pleasure to come hang out with Hillside. And even though, uh, you know, Derwin, we, we talk, you know, and Derwin asked me months ago, he said, Mark, can you come again? I'm like, yeah, of course. And we planned the date. And then a few weeks ago, I called him and we were talking again. He said, oh, yeah, by the way, I won't be there. I'm like, I see what it is now. He just, you know, he just needed a sub or something like that. But <laughs> it's all good. No, but um, praise God. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we have this opportunity uh, to come in and hang out. Now, what we want to talk about today. Can we get that up, man? Do y'all see that title? Yes. God is calling you. God is calling you. I believe and I know that God is calling us. You know, I went to the Festival of Hope a couple weeks ago. I don't know if anybody went to that thing. And it was so much, it was controversy about, how could be a controversy about a Festival of Hope? You know what I mean? Something that brings, and there was controversy about it. And people chose, some people chose to pay attention, you know, people protesting and this and that and the other. But if anyone was there, did y'all see the hundreds of people that came down to give their life to Christ? On Friday, on Saturday, on Sunday, it was just people were pouring out of the stands to come to get prayed for to receive Jesus Christ. That got me so excited. That got me fired up. That really did. Because I believe God is going to use those people to be seeds that's going to start revival in the city. I really do. I really do. And so on the heels of that, I want to bring this to you. It's not me bringing this. God speaking, saying, God is calling you, bro. God is calling you. God is calling you. God is calling all of us. Now, we've all read the, the Great Commission, right? Y'all, y'all know that verse? It says, you know, Matthew and it says, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, it says, and Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What is your calling? What is our calling? To make disciples of all the earth. Make disciples of all the nations. That's our If we could, you know, if we could use it in football terms, you can say that's like our big mission is to go and make disciples of all the earth. Correct. But now God is calling you. In other words, what are you to do specifically in this great call? If if we were a giant football team, we would say the objective is to win. Right. Just like our objective is to make disciples of all the nations. That's the big picture. But within that big picture, there are a lot of small pictures. There are different positions and different jobs and different assignments that need to be taken care of for, we, for us to take care of the big picture. And if the big picture is for us to make disciples of all the nation good, now what is God calling you to do to fulfill that? What is God calling you to do? Little brothers, what is, what is God calling you guys to do? What is he calling you to do? And you and everybody else, y'all? Little one who's brand new. God is calling you. That baby's here for a reason. Y'all know that, right? Baby's called already. That baby may have been a surprise to y'all, but we're not to God. (laughs) Y'all get that, right? (laughs) Don't be surprised. So 
is a verse in the Bible. It's in Matthew 16. And I've been reading this verse for a long time, and God revealed something to me that really blew my socks off. It says this. Y'all know this verse, right? Y'all, Berwin has preached on it maybe once or twice. And he says this. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon, Simon Bar-Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I, will, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or the gates of hell will not overpower it. You've read that before, right? Y'all have seen that before. And we get all fired up about it. And we're saying, yeah, the gates of hell, we were going to win. Yeah, woo But we, we, we miss the nature of what this really is saying. Because if we look at the word gates, you know what a gate is. A gate is a defense mechanism. A gate is a defense mechanism. Gates are meant to keep things inside, inside. Gates are meant to keep those outside from getting inside. If you had a dog, you got anybody got a dog? You got a dog? You got a backyard? You don't have a backyard? You just let your dog go crazy and everything? If you had a dog and you had a backyard, what do you have also? A gate. Why? Because you want to keep the dog where? In. But it says the gates of hell. So obviously the gates of hell, gates, the gates of hell are meant to keep those of us outside the gates from coming inside the gates to rescue those inside the gates so that we can bring them outside. And the gates of hell are meant to keep those inside, inside. See, we have a misconception when it comes to our life and when we, you know, those walking around, we think that we're at a fork in the road. You know, you come to a point and you can either go, I can choose God or I can not choose God. But that's not what the Bible says. You're not standing at a Y or a fork in the road. I can either choose or I could not choose. That's not what the Bible says. What does it say in John chapter 3, verse 17, 18? It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him may be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. Let's say that again. Those who believe on him are not condemned. But what does the other line say? But he who does not believe stands condemned already. You're not at a fork in the road deciding yes or no. You're already condemned if you don't know Jesus. They're already behind the gates of hell and they may not even realize it. And it's our responsibility. God is calling you. God is calling me to bust down the gates of hell, go and rescue those who are there and bring them out. Because if you don't, who will? Somebody did it for you. Don't think you grew up in the church and you missed a holy man right there. Is that your wife? Yes. Okay. <laughs> She's a pastor too. So you really must be like a holy dude then, right? Uh, <laughs> you marry a pastor, man. You, <laughs> you know what I mean? But you always wasn't like that. You were behind the gates and someone along the line, whether it was your preacher at home, whether it was somebody went into the gates, shared the gospel with you and pulled you out. You may not think it was like that, 
You thought you were living sort of decently. But as it said, if you didn't know the son, you were condemned already. Let's not get it, let's not get it misunderstood here. You didn't earn your way to heaven. You weren't a, a, a semi-decent woman. No. No, not at all. You're not a, well, I'm all right. No, no, no. You existed in a reality that did not have God in it. That's called hell. And someone came and rescued you out. So if someone did that for you, it's our obligation to do what? Do it to someone else. Do it to many. That's our job. That's what that great commission was all about. Because there are people stuck behind the gates. Stuck. And God has called you to go get them. Amen? So now, what are we going to do? We're going to take a few minutes. We're going to look at a calling, a famous calling in the Bible. Since we're talking about God is calling us, right? We're going to look at a famous calling, and we're going to do this so that we can see some of the characteristics of the call that we have on our life. Now, whether God has called you to be a football coach, or God has called you to play music, or God has called you to do something else, the characteristics of our call are all the same. All right? Are all the same. And we're going to study that today. What we're going to do, we're going to study the call of Moses in Exodus chapter 3. All right? In Exodus chapter 3, we're going to look at the call of Moses. And we're going to look at four aspects, four aspects of the call. How God will empower you for the call. God will educate you on the call. God will equip you for the call. And God will energize you for the call. It doesn't matter what your call is. Those four things will ring true. Y'all got that? So now let's look at the first one. God will empower you. God will empower you. So let's look at Moses. Go ahead, bro. Turn the, uh, yeah, there it is. Let's read this, okay? It says this. The Lord said, I will have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up out of the land into a, a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites and the Hittites and Amorites and all those heights. All right. And now the cry of Israel has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh to bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Now, I did something on this slide on purpose. Every time God said I or me, I put it in red. Y'all see that? So God said this. I have seen the misery of my people. I have heard them crying out. So I have come down to rescue them. Say that again. So I have come down to rescue them. And then what did Moses say on that last verse, bro? What did he say? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Do you see Moses miss, miss the point? Do you see the shift? Moses missed it. He missed the boat. For three verses, God is saying, I have seen the problem. I have heard their cry. I am going to come and rescue them. And then what did Moses say? Well, who am I? God is like, son, you don't get it. It's not you. It's me. 
How can I? How can I go, to, go into these dark places and bring these people out? I, I, you know, I don't know the Bible backward and forward. I'm not a pastor. I don't, I'm not holy Mr. Husband of a pastor. I don't know this stuff. I don't know this stuff. I can't, I don't, you know, I don't know apologetics. I don't know all these things. How can I do this? And God is saying, it's not you, Lincoln. I'm just calling you to just do what I say, bro. Just go. Go. I'm the one doing the, doing the delivering. See, what we don't understand is that God, what did he say? I've heard the cry of my people. What we don't know is that, you know, when we go to work or when we, you know, our next door neighbors or the person sitting beside us on a sky train, we don't know what's been going on in their life. We don't know what they've been crying about. We don't know what they've been hurting. We don't know they've been crying out to God. They may, they may not even know it, but they're crying out to God. And God has heard their cry and he has sent you just like he sent Moses. But the power isn't in you. The power is in God. He's empowering you to do it. Do y'all get that? So it's no more excuses. It's no more excuses. God is the one doing the empowering. It has nothing to do with your biblical knowledge. It has nothing to do with that. Do y'all get that? We got it? Can we move on? I don't want to move on until we get it. Because it's important for us to understand it's not you. It's not about you. If you sit up and say, well, God, how can I do this? God is like, you missed the boat. You missed the point. If I told you to go and share the gospel with this sister, then go do it. She's ready. She's more than ready. He's more than ready. They're more than ready. Because they've been crying out and I've heard their cry. Do y'all get that? Amen? All right, good. So now, let's look at the next thing. Not only will God empower you, he will also educate you. He will educate you. Let me tell y'all something. We serve a God of detail. We serve a God of detail. We serve a God who gives clear directives. Let me tell y'all something. I'm a football coach, all right? We got to keep it black and white. Not because football players are dumb. Not at all. No, 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 no. It's not, it's no, 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 no. It's not that they're dumb, no. It's just that you need, direct, you need your directives to be black and white. Yes and no. Because there's an enemy, there's an opposition on the other side waiting to punch you in the face. And I don't have time for gray. I don't have time to pull out a calculator and try to figure this out. Either I got to react or I'm going to get hit. That's the kind of God we serve, who gives very clear directives. Y'all get that? Because you have to, because there's an enemy out there who wants to take you out. Have no mercy on you. And if while you're sitting up there trying to figure out, we don't have time for that. Boom, here it is, it's too late. Y'all get that? Clear directives our God gives. So now, let's look closely at this. It says in Matthew chapter 1. This is an example of a clear directive. Can you read that for me, bro? She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. 
Think about that. That's when Jesus was, uh, the angel was talking to Joseph saying, hey, she's going to bear, you know, you're going to have a child and you're going to name him Jesus. Now, you know, Jesus means the Lord saves. Is that a clear directive or what? This is your purpose, Jesus. This is what I'm calling you to do, Jesus. You are to save your people from their sins. Just imagine Jesus is in school and he's writing his name on the top of his paper. It's a reminder. Oh, this is what I'm here to do. He's outside playing tag with his buddies. Jesus, come be on my team. Jesus, be on my team. Whoever's on Jesus' team wins. So Jesus, be on my team. Every time they say Jesus, 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 people are yelling Jesus, this, that, and the other. It's a reminder of what? What am I here for? What is my calling? What am I to do? I am to do what? Save my people from their sin. You see how clear our God is? He wanted to make sure that he gets it. He wanted to make sure that Joseph and Mary got it. He wanted to make sure that we get it. To the point where that boy name means something. Y'all see what I'm talking about? All right, let's, let's make it a little bit clearer in God's clear directives. We don't want gray here or 50 shades or whatever. We want it black and white, straight up. Y'all got that? Because that's the kind of God we serve. It says this in Exodus chapter 10. It says, therefore, come now and I will send you. All right. I don't want to read the whole thing. We're just going to break, we're going to break this up. Can I sit out here with y'all and we'll look at this together? All right. No, because fellas, ladies, people, listen, when we read the Bible, we can't rush through it. huh? We rush through it all the time. It's like, let me get my five minutes of Jesus in real quick and then I'm out of here. You know, no. When we read, we got to let it marinate, let it soak up in there. You know what I'm saying? You got to let it. So now, let's read what it says. It says, therefore. Anytime you read therefore in the Bible, you should stop. You should. Therefore, and you need to find out what it's there for. Because see, the word therefore is a conclusionary statement. There was something being said above it. And all these arguments are going back and forth. Something is going on, and it has to come down to a point, therefore. And then always after the word therefore, there's some type of action that has to come out of it. You understand? Blah, 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 therefore, blah. <laughs> Y'all get it? All right. So he says, therefore. What is the therefore, therefore? We read in the other verses that he has heard God has heard what? The cries of his people. And he's seen the way the, the, the Egyptians have been treating his people. Therefore, I'm going to do something. Y'all see that? All right. So now, I'm talking about a God of detail, bro. You see that? Don't miss this, man. This is like, uh, this is like, uh, all right? So as a result of my cries of my people, he says what? What's the next two words? I want y'all to say it. What are the next two words? Come now. now. Moses, come now. Don't come 20 years from now. Don't wait till he grows up. Oh, that's a he, right? Don't wait till he grows. It's a she? It's a he. All right. You're confusing me, man. Don't do that, bro. You understand? Come now. Don't wait. Don't wait. Oh, I got to wait till there or whatever. No, don't wait. He said, come now. 
but I got to finish seminary and I got to do this. No, come now. But I don't have this and I don't have that. I got to wait till I get my job. And once I get my job offer, then I'll. No, he says, come now. Well, wait till I buy. No, no, I just retired. I want to take this trip to France. And then I want to come. No, come now. Why does he say come now? Because his people are hurting now. Y'all see that, right? Come now. Then it says, therefore. Then it says what? Therefore, come now. Then it says, I will. Reiteration of who's doing the empowering. Who's doing the empowering here? God. Because he said, I will. You see that, right, bro? All right. Then he says this. I will send you to who? Specifically. I'm sending you to Pharaoh. I'm not sending you to vice Pharaoh. I'm not sending you to the secretary of state. I'm not sending you to the minister of whatever. I'm sending you to the top dog. You ever, get on, you ever get on a train or you go somewhere and God says, no, don't sit there, sit here. And then lo and behold, somebody else comes to sit beside you. And God says, all right, just start talking to that person. You see how specific God gets? No, don't sit there, sit here. And then another person comes and sits there. Just like God said to Moses, go speak to Pharaoh. Him. Her, them, go now. Y'all see this, the, the, how specific this is, right? He just want to make sure we, we're going to go to the top dog here. Because we're gonna, we got to set some people free. And we're not going to set people free talking to the vice president. We're going to talk to the big dog. You understand where I'm coming from? He said, go to Pharaoh. Then he says this, what? He says, uh, he says uh, so, so that you may bring my people. Is he there to set everybody in Egypt free? Who he, what, he, what is he doing? I'm there for my people. My sheep hear my voice. All right? You may preach to you blue in the face. Not everybody's going to come. But God knows them. And he'll draw his. Do y'all understand that? He'll draw his. It's our responsibility not to figure out, well, she's a Christian. He's not. He he is. He's not. No way he's a Christian. You know, it's not our job to do that. God knows his people. Just go and declare. Do y'all get that? All right. I'm taking my time, but I want to make sure we get this. huh? All right. My people. And then here's the cool thing. Just in case you got confused. He said, the sons of Israel, just to reiterate who my people are. Dude, the God we serve is amazing. But then he says this, I want to set them free out of what? Out of Egypt. I'm going to set them free out of Egypt. I'm calling you to call them out of Egypt. Now that's sort of, that's like got to be the, the duh statement of all the Bible. Of course they're in Egypt. Duh, right? Like, duh, like they're not in China. I mean, they're in Egypt. What? Of course. You told me to go to Pharaoh. Pharaoh is in what? Egypt. No, 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 no. That's true. But we need to understand something. We need to identify the bondage that we're in. Do y'all get that? We need recognition and realization of our location, our condition, and our state. That's what that means. Out of Egypt. Who has you in bondage? 
Egypt. Let me, let me explain what I mean by this. A friend of mine, just recently, he shared with me his testimony. And he listed all the things that he was addicted to. All the drugs and the this and the that and the ladies and the that. He listed all of his Egypts. So that when God set him free, he knew he was free. Half of us don't know because we don't know what we're in bondage to. We don't know what we're struggling with. We're just sort of going along our old merry way, just thinking everything is fine, but yet you're still in bondage. And you need to identify this. I'm dealing with this. I'm dealing with this. Sister, can you help me with this? I need to be set free from this. If you don't know what you're in bondage to, how are you ever going to be free from it? Do y'all get where I'm coming from? That's why he put out of Egypt. So you'll know what you're being set free from. Y'all get that? We good there. It's so much more, but we're going to move on. I just want us to read our Bible with some, is this a word, specificity or whatever. We got to read it specifically. We got to come to the Bible, you know, I'm, I'm ready. You ever get a craving for a certain type of food? Right? I want popcorn. All right, good. And you're not satisfied until you get what? Popcorn. It's the same thing when we come to the Word. I'm not satisfied until I get what I need. I need to be free from something, and I'm not free yet. And I won't be free until, God, you set me free. When I'm free, guess what? I know I'm free. Y'all get that, right? All right. So then it says this. Not only will our God empower you, not only will our God educate you. You see how he's educated you? You've been educated today. We all have. Our God will also do what? Equip you. He will equip you. He will give you all that you need to go and perform the call that you have. <laughs> when we get players in and they finally make our team, or even as they're trying to make the team, we give them equipment. We give them helmets, shoulder pads, any kind of pad they need. Whatever they need, whatever they want, we give it to them. What kind of guy would I be if I were to go ask these guys to go out on the field and battle for the BC Lions and not give them the equipment that they need? That's crazy, huh? Would I be a good coach to say, hey, man, go play. I need a helmet. No, you don't. Just go. I give them everything they need. If they need gloves, they get gloves. If they need shoes, they get shoes. If they need socks, they get, you just give them everything. Because the call that I have for them, I want them to go perform to win. And I want no excuse. I want to give them everything they need. The Bible says that God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. God will equip you. He will give you exactly what you need, bro. Exactly what you need. You don't even know what you need and you got it. All right, so let's take a look at this equipping, all right? It says this in, in, in Exodus chapter uh, 4. It says, then Moses said, what if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? For they may say, the Lord has not appeared to you. Then the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? What's in your hand? And he said, a staff. 
God was saying, hey, man, what's in your hand? I got a staff. Like, a staff? What? A staff? Like, a staff? You can see Moses getting a little attitude, right? You know? A staff? Like, what? You know? And God is saying, hey, that's all you need. That's all you need. That's what you need. What do you mean by that? All right, here. Throw the staff on the ground. What happened? Became a snake, right? He grabbed it up. Boom, it became a staff again. Took the staff, put it in the water. Boom, all of a sudden, the water turned to blood. All kind of crazy stuff. In other words, he's saying you already have what you need to do the job that I'm calling you to do. You already have it. Let me tell you all something. It's the best way. I'm just thinking of the best way to say this. It's like your story, your testimony is the greatest weapon you have. Your story, your testimony, how you were before you knew God and now who you are now. That's the greatest thing you have. That's the staff in your hand. Because let me tell you something. When you go hang out with your guys, with your boys, they knew you before. And they know you now. And they're like, who is this guy? That's the greatest story you have. You know you better than anybody. You can sit down and tell your story in two minutes. You can sit down with somebody and tell your story for two days. Because you know you. You know all the details of you. You know the details of your testimony. You know what God has done in your life. You know the Egypt that God has set you free from. So you may not know systematic theology. You may not know humanetics and you, don't, you may not know, you know, this versus that. You may not know Greek. You may not know Hebrew, but that's okay. You know you. You know that you were dead in your trespasses and sin, but you've been made alive in Christ Jesus. That's what your boys want to see because they don't know Greek either. They don't know Hebrew. They don't know systematic theology. They don't know all that stuff, but they know you. And they're like, who is this guy? He went to church on Sunday. What is up with him? You understand where I'm coming from, right? That's the great, that's the staff you got in your hand, bro. You can do amazing things with your story. Let's give you an example. Let's look at an example. It's in John chapter 9, verse 25. Now, we got to, this is the, I didn't want to read the whole story, but it's just a setting. Let's set it up. So, Jesus and the disciples are going, and there's a dude blind. And the disciples, in very disciple like language, Jesus, uh, this man is blind. Was it his father and mother who sinned, and that's what caused this blindness? I'm trying to sound all. <laughs> or was it this man's sin, or did he sin, and that's what made him blind? And Jesus was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Neither one. This man is blind so that my glory may be revealed, that God may be glorified. That blew their mind, because they always thought something like that was because of sin. Jesus was like, this man been blind since birth. So that God may be glorified. How can God be glorified by someone's blindness? <laughs> we shall see. So then, what did Jesus do? He spit on the ground. Made some mud or whatever with his spit. That's amazing, bro. First of all, I can't get over that. <laughs> Jesus' spit heals people. You know what I'm saying? Spit on the ground, made some mud, put it on the man's eyes. Say, hey, man, go wash your face. Go wash yourself in the pool down the street. He went, did it, came back. Ooh, I can see. That's an amazing thing, right? 
All of a sudden, the religious leaders of the day who didn't like Jesus said, hey, whoa, 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 it's Sabbath day, isn't it? Yes. Well, you can't do that. You can't wash your face on Sabbath day. This guy who healed you must be a sinner. And this, this verse right here is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. It is the most, this is the point of the matter. The man said this. He said, listen, he, he, he's, the man who was blind who can now see is talking to the religious leaders who just called Jesus a sinner. He said, listen, man, listen. He answered him. Whether this guy is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Let me tell you something. I may not know Greek. You may not know Greek or Hebrew or this or that. You may not be the best apologist on the planet, but you know one thing. You were blind, and now you see. That's what your friends want to hear. That's what people stuck behind the gates, they need to see that. They need to say, oh, hold on. You were in the gates, and now you're out. You were bonded by this. You were bound by this. You were controlled by this, and now you're not. You're free. That's why your testimony is the greatest weapon you have. Now, is, is seminary good? Yes. Systematic theology? Yes, you need all of that. You need all of that. It's good to get that. But don't ever forget that your greatest weapon is just what you need to talk about. That friend who, who shared his testimony with me, I was because he's a brand new Christian. And God delivered him from all. He's talked for like 45 minutes straight. And we were just sitting there like captivated, like we were ready to run through the wall for Jesus. This dude talked for 45 minutes, didn't quote one scripture. He just talked about how God set him free. Do you need to know scripture? Of course. Does knowing Greek and all that other stuff help? Yes. But don't let that get in the way of you just sharing your story. If there's another mother who's pregnant and comes up to you and says, tell me, how was it? You can get out the, well, I was dilated at 17 centimeters. And <laughs> no, that's too big, 17 centimeters. Oh, time out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I got two kids, I know, wait a minute. And then there was this and none of that. You can pull out all the medical language, you can do all that, or you can say, girl, let me tell you. That first pain hit, and I was like, ooh. And ooh, and ooh, ooh, ooh. But when they gave me the baby and I held him for the first time, The greatest weapon you have is your story. Y'all get that, right? Good. Let's finish up. Let's finish up. It says this. Go to the next one, my friend. Here's what we need to know. I'm so glad that, Jesus, I'm so glad that salvation is not a feeling. It's a fact. It's a fact. It's a fact. It's, it's fact. It's not alternative facts either. It's real fact. 
And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life and that this life is in his son. He who has, who, he who has the son has the life and he who does not have the son does not have the life. Lincoln, can it get any clearer than that? Have son, have life. Don't have son, don't have life. People will try to argue you into this and that. No, it's, in, it's right there, man. It's right there. And I'm a living testimony. When I didn't know Jesus, I didn't have life. Thought I did. But I didn't. Let me tell you why. And you just begin to share your story. But then when I met Jesus, I got life. Now, did my situations change? No, I might have still been broke. I'm still broke. But I have life. I have freedom. I'm no longer in Egypt. Y'all know when they left Egypt, they didn't just end up in the penthouse. <laughs> when they left Egypt, all of a sudden, it's the Red Sea. Ay, ay, ay. Did it get easier for them? No. But were they free? Yes. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does, uh, uh, does not have the life. These things I have written to you, to you who... These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know. You know you have eternal life. I know I may feel like right now I feel terrible. I feel low. I feel lonely. I feel defeated. I feel whatever. I feel like whatever. I don't know what I feel like, but I know one thing. I have eternal life. That's why, go to the next one. That's why Paul talked about the helmet of salvation. Y'all know, that's in Ephesians chapter 6, 17. He, he's listing all the armor of God. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You know, the, 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 the belt of truth and all this kind of stuff. And then he says, and to put on the helmet of salvation. Let me tell you something, bro. Paul is talking to Christians when he writes this. And he says, put on the helmet of salvation. Now, I don't think the helmet looked like that. But I'm a football coach, so to me, it looks like that. <laughs> so he's telling us as Christians, my brothers and my sisters, put on the helmet of salvation. What? That doesn't make any sense. It makes a lot of sense. All right. Back in the, in the Roman days, there were, there were these, the cavalry would ride on the horses, and they would have these swords that were sometimes up to four feet long, double-edged sword, super sword, like some Excalibur type stuff. You know, and they would ride on the horses and they would pull out the swords. And as they approached you, I'm going to use you here. As they approached you, they would take these super swords and they would aim for the head to try to decapitate you, to try to split your head in two. So therefore, my friend, you need to put on the helmet of salvation. Because Satan will use the double-edged sword of discouragement and doubt to attack your head. You know you're a Christian, but he'll try to bring up all that past sin, all the unresolved issues, all the mess, you know, the argument y'all had on your way to church this morning. He'll try to bring all that stuff up to try to make you be discouraged and to make you doubt that God loves you. That's why he attacks your head. You better keep that helmet on, bro. I know I'm saved. I know God loves me. And I don't care what you say, Satan. I don't care how you attack me. I'm going to win. I know who I am. I have the son. And those who have the son have eternal life. That's what we just read, right? 
It's just that black and white. Y'all get it? Makes sense, right? All right. Last but not least. Last but not least. Yep. Not only will God empower you and educate you and equip you, he will also do what? Energize you. This is, oh, man. You blessed me this morning. You blessed me this morning. Let's read what it says. This is why you blessed me this morning. Moses was 80 years old. And Aaron was 83. When they spoke to Pharaoh. They answered the call that God had on their life. They started the call. They started their mission. They started their job. They got on the field for the first time and started to play when they were 80 and 83 years old. (laughs) It's never too late. God is always calling you. God is always calling me. Whether you're 20-something, you're 20-something, right? Or you 86. We have no excuse. My dad is 81, just turned 81. And I'm looking at him like, hey man, let's get going. You got work to do. You got work to do. So even when you're retired and you go live in Arizona for six months, God is still calling you down in Arizona. And when you come back up here for the other six months, God is still calling you here. Y'all get where I'm coming from? There's no excuse. We never retire from Jesus. We never retire from our call. And God will give you the energy to do it. We have a coach. This This football thing is crazy. Like, the hours we keep are nuts. We have a coach who who gets to the office around 2 in the morning. He gets to the office, and he lives in Abbotsford, and our office is in Surrey. And he gets to the office at 2 in the morning, and he works all day. Work, 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 go to practice, teaches his guys, does this, does that, and about 6, 6.30, he'll say, all right, I'm done, and he'll go home. Go home, have dinner, talk to his wife, blah, blah, blah. Go to bed, wake back up, and he's back at the office at 2. He's been doing this for about 43 years. What kind of energy and stamina does that man have? He has the energy. He's energized to do it because he knows he's doing what he's been called to do. So when you're in your calling, when you're doing what God has called you to do, he will give you the energy you need to get it done. He did it to Moses. He was 80. Aaron was 83. Abraham. I mean, come on. Could you imagine? 90 something years old. Hey, Sarah, what's up? (laughs) She's looking at him like, man, please, you know? His calling just started. Just started. Don't wait till you're 80. Get busy now. Who says you're going to make it to 80? Who says I'm going to make it to 80? Who says we're going to make it to 83? Get busy. Remember what the call said. It said, therefore, come now. Get busy now. 
Whether you're 20-something or 86, do it now. Y'all get it? God will give you the energy you need. Amen? I believe God brought you here today for a reason. You could have been anywhere. You could have said, you know what, I'm not coming to church this morning. And you, and you came. You came for a reason. Normally you may fall asleep in church, but you didn't. You stayed awake. There's a reason. Why are you hearing these words today and you didn't hear them last week? Or, or what's going on next week? I don't know. But you're here today. There's a reason. You need to figure out what God is calling you to do. In the big picture, we are to make disciples. But in the small picture, individually, what are we to do? I know what God has called me to do. God has called me to be an impactor and an influencer of men, especially young men. God told me that. And he gave me the best job in the world to do it. I get to be a football coach. You, you kidding me? I'm around guys like you all day. And we just get to hang out and just talk. Now, I got to teach them football at the same time, but, that's, but they, they get it. You understand where I'm coming from? That's my job, to make disciples in this calling that I have. What's your job? What are you called to do? And it has nothing to do with your actual vocation, your job. I'm not worried. I'm not talking about your job job. I'm talking about what is your mission as a man of God? What is your mission as a woman of God? How am I adding to the total victory that we're going to have in Christ Jesus? By making disciples of all the nations. Y'all get that? God is calling you. He's calling you. He's calling you. He's calling your son, man. That's your son, right? That was your son. God is calling you, my sister. God is calling you. Link, he's calling you. People in the back, he's calling you. Microphone man, he's calling you. T-man over there, he's calling you. Y'all get where I'm coming from? Can we pray? Can we pray for a second? Let's pray. When you pray, when we pray here, I want you to think about you, okay, for a second. I want to pray two prayers. I'm going to pray for two people. I want to pray for that person who doesn't know Jesus. For that person, as the Bible says, if you don't know the Son, you don't have life. If you don't know the Son, you stand condemned already. I want to pray for that person who's still stuck behind the, the walls, the gates of hell. And how this morning... We, as the body of Christ, reaching into the gates trying to pull you out, respond to Jesus right now. Therefore, come now. That's the first group we're going to pray for. Second group we're going to pray for is this. For those of us who already know the Lord, we know Jesus, but yet we're sort of walking around aimlessly. We don't know what God has called me to do. God, what is it that you want me to do? God, set, set a path for me right now. Educate me right now on what I need to be doing. Y'all get me? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, if you are, how about this? If you already are a Christian, I need you to pray also for that person. Because they could be sitting beside you. You just don't know it. Let's pray. Come on, we're going to pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for that person, Lord God, who doesn't know you. For that person who doesn't understand that if they die right now, they will spend eternity 
separated from you in a place that was not designed for them, but it was designed for some disobedient demons, Lord Jesus, but they're in that place away from you called hell. God, I pray for them, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord God, we know what your word says. The word says that you stand at the door and you knock on their heart. You're knocking on the door of their heart. Lord Jesus, I pray that they will open the door now. They will respond to you, Jesus. That they will come to know the living God. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you will set them free from every bond, every bondage, every sin, Lord God, that has kept them entangled in the gates of hell, Lord God. Lord Jesus, I pray you'll give them courage to stand up, to even raise their hand and say, hey, I want to receive Jesus right now. And we will pray with them. We will pray for them. And we'll say, Holy Spirit, take over their life. I want to give you that opportunity. If you want to do that, you can raise your hand and say, Jesus, I want to know you. We can do that right now. Somebody did it for me. Somebody waited for me. Somebody waited for these other people here. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to pray for the other group. It's probably a bigger group here of people who know you, God, but they're sort of walking around aimlessly like Moses was walking around aimlessly in the desert, herding sheep until he saw a bush that was burning, and the burning bush talked to him and said, hey, this is what I want you to do. Father, I pray for a mission for their life, an understanding of what God is calling them to do. Jesus, I pray that you will answer the cry of their heart. They're crying out to you, God, what is it that you want me to do? How are you to use me where I am? God, I pray in Jesus' name that you will reveal it to them whether it be right now in church, whether it's driving home, whether it be tonight as they meditate or whatever on Jesus when they meditate on your word, as whatever, Lord God, I pray that you will reveal to them the specific calling that you have for their life, that you will empower them to do it. You will, you will educate them, you will equip them, and you will energize them to do what you've called them to do. Lord Jesus, work in their life, work in our lives. Give us a purpose and a sense of direction of where we need to go. We love you, God. We thank you, God. We understand, Lord Jesus, our call. Push us forward to accomplish it now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.